Week number one of a brand new series, and this is something we learned from North Point Community Church. We want to pass it on to you as accurately as possible, and I'll tell you why a little bit later, but there was, this is just significant to us. As a Christ follower, we actually believe that God left His amazing heaven, and He came to this creation Himself personally to live and to walk, uh, to, to be among us. And that is so bizarre, uh, because we actually have writings from firsthand eyewitnesses who saw the life of Jesus, they were with Jesus, they walked with Him. John was one of these guys, and he takes uh, his limited vocabulary, as we are all limited, in trying to explain this amazing God. This is what he said, this is what it was. John chapter 1 verse 14, listen to how he describes it. He says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now John uses these words as best he can to describe the actions of God. Now what if John is actually right. I mean, what if all of the other writers in the New Testament are actually right? Why in the world would God, the creator of everything, put on this limiting flesh and this bone and this blood of man? Because you see, all the other world religions, God is not coming down to man. In fact, they are trying to work their way to God. So, even though God told us this is how He would do it, that this is how it would happen, He told us that, but no one really expected God to take a step towards us, much less the giant leap that He actually took towards us to arrive here as a helpless baby. You know, the public was looking for something much different. They were looking for thunder and lightning, columns of fire as God arrived. That's what they wanted, this big show of power and strength. But the people who actually saw it said that it happened this way, from God to a baby, to a carpenter, and then to a rabbi in his ministry. God actually came here to live among us. Now why? We're asking why in this series. Now we know the big answer to why, and we're going to talk about that later in this series. The big answer, we know why He came. But there are some other answers, some other reasons why He came, some smaller reasons why God did it the way that He chose to do it. And to help us understand that this morning, we're going to look at just a snapshot, like a Polaroid of an experience that Jesus had with some of his followers. And it was just hours before he would be arrested in the garden, hours before he would then walk to the cross where he would die for us. Jesus pauses in this moment and he tells his followers, his closest followers, we call them his disciples, he tells them that he is going to be leaving soon. And they begin to freak out. You see, Jesus started this whole thing, and they cannot imagine going another step without Jesus being right there with them, without Jesus leading them. 
And Jesus tells them, he's like, don't freak out. And they're like, right, Jesus. Um, no, if, if you're leaving, we're freaking out. And he says, hang on, things are getting heated. And this is where we pick up this snapshot of Jesus and his followers. John chapter 14, we're going to start with verse 1. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And it's like, right, Jesus, too late for that. And Jesus continues, trust in God and trust also in me. Now, this is an important phrase because, you see, if Jesus were just a good man, if Jesus was just a good teacher, a good rabbi, a good person, you don't say things like this. You don't say, you can trust me as much as you trust God. That's not what normal people say. He goes on, verse 2. He said, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, he said, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He's like, listen, God, you, I'm not lying to you, he said. Would I have said that? He said, I am not lying to you. Verse 3, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always, always be with me where I am. And they're like, wait a minute, Jesus, where, where, You're, where are you going? When, when is this going to happen, Jesus? When, and why, why are you going to be leaving it? Jesus, what is going on here? We don't understand. And Jesus goes on, verse four, and you know the way to where I'm going, he said. Jesus I have no clue where you're going. I don't even know what you're talking about. So no, no, Jesus, I don't know the way. Now, the early followers of Jesus, they were called Christians. And, you know, to, we're kind of used to that word today, but then they weren't. And it was not a positive thing. It was a put down. It was like, they're those Christians. Well, I guess that kind of is like today, but it was worse then. It was really a put down. And there were other words they used. They called them uh, followers of the way. And you're getting ready to find out why. This is where this comes from. So back to the snapshot of Jesus. He says, you know the way, fellas, you know. And Thomas now speaks up, verse 5. No, no, <laughs> uh, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how how can we know the way? It's like Thomas is saying, Jesus, you know the way because you know where you're going. And you told us not to worry because we know the way. But Jesus, we do not know the way. We, we don't know the way, Jesus. In verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is telling Thomas, Thomas, I am the way. I am the way. You know the way. He's saying, Thomas, you know Jesus? You know me? Then you personally know the way. G Thomas, do you know me? Well, yeah, Jesus, I, I, I know you. Then you know the way. Thomas, you know the way. And next... Jesus gives us this world-famous statement. I love this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And sometimes we hear that and we say, wait a minute, Harley, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that sounds really narrow to me. And I would say, it does, but wait, it gets worse. And Jesus says, no one can come to the Father. Now in that word, where that word Father is, he's talking about God, our Heavenly Father. So you can easily substitute the word God there. He's talking about God the Father. He says, no one can get to the Father, can get to God, except through me. Now, again, someone who is a man, just a good man, a good man does not say that. A good teacher, a good rabbi does not make that claim. You see, Jesus is not simply a good man. He's not simply a good teacher. And Jesus goes on, verse 7, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. Now, Jesus is getting ready to say something about God the Father and about himself. Listen to this. From now on, you do know him. He's saying, you know God. From this moment on, you have no You know him. And he said, you have seen him. Now, do you hear what Jesus is saying in this moment? Do not miss this. He's saying, if you have seen me, Jesus, if you have walked with me, Jesus, he's saying, if you have talked with me, Jesus, then you have seen God and you have walked with God. You have talked and had conversations with God himself. This is huge. Now, these guys have walked with Jesus and they have followed Jesus and they have seen all the miracles of Jesus. And these followers are doing their best to really believe and to understand, but they are not under, they're trying to believe, but they are not understanding what Jesus is saying. Now, Philip, one of the others, he speaks up in verse eight. Philip said, Lord, 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 show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Philip is saying, okay, Jesus, we are not understanding what you're talking about. We are not understanding the words coming out of your mouth. We don't understand. But that's okay. We don't have to understand. Just, just show us God. And that's going to be enough for us. Show us the Father. Show us God. We don't have to understand everything. And we may never understand anything. But God, just, Jesus, just show us God. And when we hear Philip talk like that, we can understand that. Because many times we have been through some junk. We have been through some tough things or someone we love has been through something tough. And we have thought these thoughts or said these things. We were said, God, I wonder, are you really there? God, are you really out there? Please, God, just show me. If I, if God, if I could only see, if you would just give me a glimpse, a confirmation that you're really there, then I won't have any doubts and I'll be okay. I can make it through this if you would just show me that you're really there, God. That you really know my name. That you hear my prayers. Then I would have certainty if you would just show me. 
God, I don't have to understand everything. I'm not asking to understand how creation happened. I'm not asking that. I just want you to show me that you're really there. And now Jesus replies to Philip in verse 9. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And you still don't know who I am. Whoa. Is Jesus saying right here what it sounds like he's saying? He goes on. Anyone who has seen me, he's being very clear. Philip, let me be very clear. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he says, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Jesus is saying to Philip, I am as close as you will ever get this side of eternity to seeing God. That's huge. Verse 10, he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak, he said, they're not my own. Listen to what Jesus is telling the disciples. He's saying, if you want to know what God thinks. If you want to know what God says, just listen to me, Jesus says. If you want to know what God thinks about the decisions you're making inside of your family, in your family life, he said, just listen to me. If you want to know what God thinks about your private life, just watch me, listen to me, Jesus said. You will know exactly what God thinks. If you want to know what God thinks about what you do with your money, what you do at school, how you're handling your life, just listen to me, listen to Jesus. If you want to know anything about God, what he would say, what he would do, how he would act, just watch me. And then he goes on. But my father who lives in me does his work through me. He's saying, listen, fellows, just, just watch me. If you have a question about God, watch me. Because you will never get a better view of God than through me. Now, here's our bottom line this morning. One of the reasons that Jesus came to live among us was to tell us and to show us what God is like. That's one of the reasons. He came here to live among us, his creation, as one of his created. He came here to do that. God himself, through Jesus, to tell us and to show us what God is like. God desires for you to know him on such an intimate level that he did not want to just send a text message. He didn't want to just send information. He didn't want to just orchestrate the writing of the Bible, of the scriptures. He actually sent himself God showed up to make this completely personable. He, he, he showed up to, to, to take away all of the guesswork 
He wanted to communicate to you and to me, and we understand in very limited ways because God is unlimited, but we are limited. And God showed up to explain to us who are limited, and he used himself, put himself in a limited situation by putting on the flesh and the bone and the blood of man to explain to us himself, an unlimited God. He came down to live among us. You see, Jesus didn't claim to have the best explanation of God. Jesus claimed to be the best explanation of God. And you know, people everywhere, they have explanations of God. Every priest has an explanation of God. Every pastor, every rabbi, and really every person out here. We all have explanations of who God is. But only Jesus said, I am the explanation of who God is. You will never get any closer to understanding God than understanding me, than listening to me, than watching me. And if this statement is true, what Jesus is saying, if it is true, then it is awesome. And if Jesus is lying here, then well, it just gets crazier in the next statements that, that he makes. But if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, this is absolutely amazing. Because it is Jesus saying that our best chance at understanding God is for us to get to know Jesus. To listen to what Jesus said, to watch what Jesus did. But we're challenged by this. Because if you're like me, we have a tendency to look at all the wrong places to try to figure out God and looking at all the wrong places to understand God a little bit better. It's not a great place to look, but we often look around us at the circumstances around us, things happening around us. And we say something happens and we say, wow, that was a God moment. Or sometimes we look at something and we say, well, that was a God thing. And we're not saying that it's not a God moment or not a God thing. It's just that we do have trouble looking at circumstances and at things and interpreting them correctly. Because our circumstances, they change and they're different. One thing happens and we says, well, yeah, there, there's God. And then something else happens and we say, wait, where's God in all of this? Because we have trouble interpreting the events that happen around us, the pain in other people's lives, the, the illness, the pain that we, that we face ourselves, death, when we face death, just tragedy when it happens. We have trouble interpreting. Even the good things, when we get a promotion at work, we, we have trouble interpreting those correctly. Let me give you an example. So a young woman is praying for a husband, praying, praying, praying that she's going to find him. And then she does. And she says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I found him. That was a God thing. I found him. And her mother is saying, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. No. 
And the young woman is saying, it's a God thing. And the mom is saying, where is God in all of this? No. And then years later, years later, down the road, that once young bride is now saying, oh my, I don't think that was a God thing after all. And the truth is, and we, I know we don't like to admit it, it's not that we can't ever interpret things, it's just that we're terrible at looking at the circumstances that we face and accurately identifying God. We're just bad at it. There's another place that we would rather look for God. So often we look for God in our religious traditions. There are some things that have just been ingrained into us from childhood. We're told that God hates this. Stay away from this. God hates this. And God likes this over here. He likes this. Do this. Don't do this. And these things right here, he's kind of iffy about these things, so it's best to avoid them. Don't do this. Avoid this. And God likes this. Do this. And we kind of take some of that Maybe not all of it, but we take some of it and we bring it into our understanding and our personal interpretation of God. And it's just not trustworthy. Because then these things of don't do this and do this and this is iffy, they don't answer the big questions that we face in life as we grow up and we become adults. And also time changes. I mean, as you grow up, sometimes religion and the traditions of that religion change. Their views on things change. We've been seeing that in the headlines with the Catholic Church recently. Their views change. This is a very volatile way to view God, to try to view God through church and through tradition. In fact, one of the early men, I mean, we have countless illustrations of this, but one of the early men who determined that I do not believe that the universe, that the solar system rotates around the earth. I don't think that's how it works. And in fact, we know that that is the case. That is not how it works. But the man who said that, one of the men who said that, the religious tradition did not agree, and they called him a heretic, and they burned him at the stake. The Pope had him burned. Because the religious tradition said, this is not how God works. This is not true. You see, religious systems, if that is your primary way to understand God, then it is very limited. Why? Because we have so many different kinds of churches. You see, we have over here, we have the rule-making church. The rule-making church says you have to do this, you have to do this, dress this way, don't dress this way, do this, eat this way, do this, do this, don't do this. That's the rule-making church. And then over here we have the church that says, well, you can really do whatever you want. Just ask God to forgive you. He'll forgive you. Do anything. You can do anything. And then we have the church that says, well, this is the Democrat church. God's a Democrat. Then we have the Republican church that says God's a Republican. So which one is right? They can't both be right. Which one is right? And then we look at our personal lives. And maybe, maybe you go through a divorce. 
And maybe the church comes to you and says, listen, this just can't happen here. You're going to have to leave. You're going to have to be out. Or one of the two has to leave. Maybe, maybe the way you were treated because of something that had occurred in your life and the way you were treated by the church, you've said, listen, I, I, this is not what I thought God was like. Maybe there's been an unplanned pregnancy for your teenager and the way the church responded and the way the church reacted, maybe it just drove you away from God. And you said, this is not what I thought God was like. You see, the religious system, our religious traditions are not really an accurate way to figure out what God is like. And Jesus himself said, there is a better way to understand what God is like. He said, it's me, Jesus. There's another place we look for God to understand him better, to know him better. And that's sometimes we just look within but that's limited too. Because the 16-year-old Harley inside is much different than the 30-year-old and then the plus. And as you grow older and you're 65 years old, it's much different than you were at 16. So which one was the God within? Which one was the more accurate view of God? And sometimes we're very different depending on what literally what medication we take. And so the Harley with medication is different than the Harley without medication. And so which one is more like God? If I'm looking within, looking inside of me, it's not a great way to understand God. And so sometimes we look outside of us and we look at nature around us. And it seems like, you know, as we're walking through the woods or we're out on the lake, we make this connection with God. But it's really just this connection on a big scale. It's not personal at all. It's just this big connection that says, God is, God is big. He's a creator. He's big. And creation is huge. And God is huge. But that doesn't really help us understand who God is. But that's not what God wanted for you. He, he doesn't want you to know kind of what he's like. He wants you to know what he's like. The God who created nature, the God who created your inner parts, the God who created systematic law and, and systems, the God, that God said, none of that is enough for you to understand me. He says, I want you to know me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become one of you so I can tell you and I can show you exactly, precisely what God is like. Not what he is like figuratively, what he is literally like. Now, don't miss this next statement, because this is what led us to want to present this series to you. This statement, because this is what it all means. If you, in your search for understanding God, if you move past Jesus, as you're trying to understand God, then you are moving away from God. Because God isn't out there. There are reflections of God in all of these things. There are reflections of God in you because God said you're created in the image of God. There's a reflection of God there. 
but that's not God. There's a reflection of God in his nature that he has created. The Bible tells us in Romans 1, there is a reflection of God there, but that is not God himself. There are reflections of God, but God doesn't want you to know his reflection. He wants you to know him. And so this statement, if you move past Jesus in your search for God, then you are moving away from God. If you stop short of Jesus in your search for God, then you stop short of God. So here's what we're asking you to do today. This is a step. This is a step that every single one of us can take, and we're asking you to take it. I'm going to take it with you. I'm asking you to take it. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, please take this step. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to take this step. Here's the step. We're going to ask you to pick a gospel. That's one of the first four books in the New Testament. Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, either one. And it doesn't matter which one you choose. You can choose the shortest. You can choose the longest. It doesn't matter. One of the four. Just make a selection and read through that, that book this week. But here's what we want you to do. Ask this question as you sit down to read each day that you read, the little section that you choose to read. Ask this question. What can I learn about the Father from the Son? What can I learn about God through Jesus? Because each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are first-hand accounts of the life of Jesus. Would you read one of those gospels and every time you sit down to read this week, ask this question and don't just ask the question, ask the question and then write down what you discover. Here's the question. What do I learn about the father from the son this week? And then write it down. Because one of the reasons that Jesus came to live among us, one of the reasons God came here to live among us is so that we could know him. So why not read this with curiosity? What a tragedy. What a tragedy it would be to miss God because we were too lazy to simply read. What a tragedy to have Bibles in our homes, but leave them covered in dust and buried under magazines or under figurines. And this whole time we've been trying to figure out God by looking at ourselves or by looking at nature or by looking into religion. But that's why John said this, that the word became flesh and lived with us. It is so that we could know God and know what God is like. I hope you'll join us in the Gospels this week. Let's pray. Jesus, you told us that anyone who has seen you Anyone who has read your words and the descriptions of your life, they have seen the Father. 
And then you challenged us and said, so why are we asking you to show us the Father again? God, may we not miss you because we failed to open your word. God, we ask that you would help us understand you better as we look at you in the flesh and with the name Jesus. And Jesus, our Savior, our God, it is in your name that we pray these things. Amen.